you think, all right, he's going to name them. He names them, all right. Toad, Stonehead, Aurux, Lover, Pimple, Monkey, Saloon, and the Bastard. If, you're, if your whole reason for being impressive is that you have an impressive name for yourself, then you're no longer impressive. How does he not understand this? A little more than a campsite, we're just surrounded by loads of plundered stuff, just from various great cities which they've rode, ridden through, massacred, and just taken loads of things away from. It's a bit like the it's a bit, it's a bit like the British Museum, but outside. Welcome to part six of Shark Live Royals coverage of A Game of Thrones uh, by George R R Martin. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. Hello. Hello, Dave, and we're continuing our. Our journey through this book, uh, we've done five parts of it so far, and this week we are reading from uh, page 373 to 483, starts off with a chapter about Daenerys, which begins the horse gates of Vastothrak, and we're reading as far as... <laughs> Was there ever a more portentous opening sentence? The horse gets of Vastothrak. <laughs> you know you're in a fantasy novel when you're reading that. <laughs> We're reading as far as Sansa, uh, a chapter about Sansa, which begins, he wouldn't send Saloris. Dave, who would send Saloris? Well, All we've known about me. him so far is some pretty boy guy on a, on a horse who, decent in a joust, but, you know, and likes to throw flowers around. He likes to throw flowers around. I mean, why would you? Why would you send Solaris? I, I, I wouldn't send Solaris. I, I don't know. I don't know who's sending him. Anyway, where, but carry on. Let's move on. Okay, let's start with Daenerys then, um, the, and the horse goats of Vastothrak. Um, now look, Daenerys is, has finally arrived at what's basically um, the uh, oh, what's the name of the the horse lords? Um, what are they well, the Dothraki, no? The Thraki. Of course, clues yeah. in the name. Oh, yeah, there's clues in the name. <laughs> Well, they finally, she's finally arrived at the what's effectively the capital of, of the Dothraki. Um, it's basically, from what I can gather, it's kind of like a, a, a little more than a campsite, but just surrounded by loads of plundered stuff just from various <laughs> great cities, which they've rode, ridden through, massacred, and just taken loads of things away from. Mm. It's a bit like the it's a bit it's a bit like the British Museum, but outside. <laughs> 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 that is absolutely magnificent. <laughs> I was I was going to say I'm imagining sort of the 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 horror of like a Stephen Fry type character. You can imagine a Stephen Fry character <laughs> coming forth yeah. in Westeros and just being sort of or in this world Esteros, I suppose, um, and just being like, "You've taken them completely out of context. Look, all of these magnificent <laughs> historical jewels, and you've piled them up as though they're so much junk metal." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's an unusual um, city. Uh, we so so. I mean, it's, it's a nice introduction to this. Uh, we have a bit of a chat with Sajora, um, who is the the knight, the sort of exiled knight. Um, he was exiled by uh, by Ned Stark for uh, for selling slaves. And we, we find out here he's still very bitter about that. He, he hates Ned Stark. Mm. And uh, it's just an interesting, it's a different perspective, isn't it? He says, you know, for selling a couple of slaves, he, you know, wanted my head in a block and ended up banishing me. Um, and he feels very hard done by. Mm. Do, you, do you have a, a sense of Sajura kind of 
I, I don't know. Is is there a bit of kind of the apologist here, like the like the old man in the pub who can't work out why he's not allowed to use racially insensitive language anymore? And he's, <laughs> all I said, right? All I said, and and they've gone and banned me from the bowls club. I mean, I, it's not the same world as I grew up. In. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get a feeling he's saying to Daenerys, "It was just a couple of slaves." You know, <laughs> it, it but... was just a couple of slaves. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. And and you get the feeling, yeah, we'll find out later on um, about where Daenerys stands on slavery and things like that. But considering her background and how she's been effectively treated as a slave for the greater part of her life, <clears throat> albeit one in a very high position, if you like, mm. um, it might not be something she's particularly keen on. But we'll find out. Um, Have we seen slaves there's... anywhere else in Westeros? Sorry, I just I'm, I'm just thinking: um, is this a, a widespread thing, or is it more of a transgression than he sort of acts like? Well, it it, it seems like um, slavery is pretty much a no-go area in Westeros. Mm. Although you know, serfdom isn't, which is practically slavery, yeah. it's more tied to land, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's slavery with an address. Yeah, there seems a bit of a double standard with Ned there because I'm sure he has people in his sort of charge who are little more than slaves as well. They don't have much choice in what they can do. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. So, but the, the actual idea of buying and selling people is mm. isn't something which is countenanced in Westeros. Mm. But but obviously, across the sea, they take a much more relaxed approach to it. You look at the household of uh, Ilrio, who's the guy who uh, was looking after Daenerys and Viserys, and mm. he, his household's full of slaves. And, you know, it's it's something that you feel is it's kind of unique to Westeros, that they don't practice it. Yeah, okay. Uh, that's interesting. I hadn't really picked up on that before, mm. I think. I'm sure that will come back and become become a significant sort of plot, cultural thing. But, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, there's a bit more from Viserys as well. Uh, this chapter towards the end uh, is it's about Daenerys reaching out to her brother really they had this conflict on the road uh, which we we saw I think two episodes ago now Uh, Daenerys, uh, they had this confrontation on the road, Daenerys and Viserys and it ended with Daenerys obviously in a more powerful position than Viserys for the first time and this kind of happens again Viserys hasn't learned because Daenerys invites him to dinner and unfortunately, the choice of words that a serving girl uses is commands you to come to me. <laughs> so he, he arrives in a rage because he says no one commands the dragon. And yeah. he still likes to refer to himself. And um, It's so pathetic, isn't it? If, you're, if your whole reason for being impressive is that you have an impressive name for yourself, then you're no longer impressive. How does he not understand this? Yeah. Don't mess with me. I'm the dragon. Why? Because I gave myself a badass name. <laughs> Shut up. And and Daenerys offers him these gifts, which are sort of lighter clothing, so he's not as uncomfortable on the road and stuff. And he throws them back in her face and says, "You're dressing me like a horse lord." And he just, she she sort of, um, in her internal monologue, she's she's thinking, "Why have you got to be so horrible all the time? I'm just trying to help." Yeah. And in the end, he he physically attacks her, and she fights him off and says. You better hope that my husband doesn't hear this because it won't end well for you. Because <laughs> he's going to kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just an, it's another clear example. And maybe we will wait and see if Viserys learns the lesson this time. But things have changed. He's not the person of these two who's in power anymore. 
and mm. um, and she's in a much stronger position than he is, despite his um, you know his birthright, if you like, the fact that he's the older sibling. Yeah, but um, on the bright side, he, he does seem like the kind of guy to take such a change, you know, in a level-headed and calm manner, and <laughs> sort of take it yeah. on the chin, really. Yeah, we'll see later on. <laughs> or or totally that. irrevocably <clears throat> lose his shit. Oh, yeah, yeah, that sounds more like Viserys, doesn't it? I, I, yeah. It's an amazing thing to make a character who's like I, he. He really reminds me of um, of Joffrey. It's like what Joffrey would be if mm. he if he was ten years older. Yeah, you know, it's the same sense of entitlement and petulance and essentially childishness that where you've never had to learn how to actually lead. You've just been told that you're the guy who's going to be in charge. Yeah. So you know, there's a there's a great laziness and, and childishness in both of those characters and yeah. Um, yeah so I mean Joffrey and Viserys are to nobody's surprise the two characters that I hate the most I think in this whole thing yeah it's that it's that um, gross sense of entitlement blended with more than a dash of madness isn't it yeah move on to Bran we've not been back up to Winterfell for quite a while um and now we return to to to, to have a look at Bran. Mm. He's he's uh, back on the horse, quite literally, because um, he's he's learning to ride again. <laughs> love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's le- he's learning to ride again. He's got this uh, contraption which Tyrion um, gave him the plans for, and um, lo and behold, he can he can r- ride a horse again, and he's he's absolutely loving it. Obviously, as every if you're a nine year old boy and you didn't think you were ever going to walk again, and suddenly you can ride a ride a horse, it'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. So he's he's but he's sort of his joy's cut short very quickly because Rob um, has to tell him the news which has come down from King's Landing, which is what's happened to his dad yeah. and um, his dad's men. And um, it's it's interesting here that this is something that the series can that the book can do. They talk about these characters um, about Jory and Will and Hewell, and they share a couple of memories about Jory especially, and it just gives you that impression of them as as people rather than just a few names who were attached to one of the characters you care about. Yeah, swords. Um, yeah. Then and uh and I thought that was really I like that kind of stuff because it just gives you a bit more of a a feel for the the, the magnitude of things like that, you know, people are being killed here. Mm. Um which is quite nice. The uh they they also discuss this this decision which Rob's having to make he's having to we've got two clear examples of how he's very quickly having to grow up once again here one is he is the guy who has to decide he's a teenager and not a not not you know a young teenager at that i think he's 14 yeah he has to decide whether or not to call the banners so yeah. basically basically to go to war um yeah to, to to put the message out to all his um his lords who serve his dad and say come to winterfell we're riding south and we're going to kick some ass yeah, and yeah he's yeah. got to make that decision Based yeah. on what he knows, um, because there's no one else around. And, and he's sorry. So you go on, yeah. I was going to say it's even more risky than it would be. In this case, he can't just follow his dad. It's a real coming of age moment, isn't it? Because yeah. he has to make this decision, knowing that all of these bannermen are going to be like, "Well, I don't know for your dad, but who the fuck are you?" Yeah. You know, he's a boy. Like he hasn't. You know, there's been no mini campaigns. He's not been sent off to rule any castle. He's not. You know, whatever it is that in peacetime lordlings are sent to do in order to get good at being being replacements for their own father. He's yeah. not done any of that. He's a 14 year old boy, and yeah. so 
you know, it's really risky what he has to do here. He can't just do what dad would have done. He has to do what dad would have done, knowing that he's going to have to be stronger than his dad would be in that moment. Yeah. Because people yeah. would just come for his dad, but they won't just come for him. Exactly. I mean, and, uh, Theon um, is all for it, who's naturally seems quite reckless, and he's all for calling the banners straight away. Yeah. Um, because three of his, his, uh, his father's men have been killed in the street, his dad's been attacked. This is an act of war, effectively. Yeah. And, um, and the maester is much more cautious. And I think uh, Bran sides with the maester as well. And I think that basically their argument is, look, he's, he's coming back, um, dad's coming back, so just wait. Yeah. And Rob, I think Rob's inclined to do that at this point. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> because it, it is the seems like the most sensible course of action. Yeah. Um, there's another thing that, another example of Rob having to grow up very quickly here, where um, Bran wanders off into the, well, they, they wander off into the woods, um, and Bran is attacked and nearly captured by this group of wildlings. Mm. And Rob manages to, is the only one who sort of manages to find him and uh, so it's basically rob and these six wildlings and the two wolves gray wind and summer and there's it's a there's a, it's a fight to the death and rob comes yeah. out on top and he, he obviously he's been trained well yeah with more than a little help from these wolves who are very graphically tearing people apart yeah um, vicious, I mean, this is going down in a much more vicious way than it does in the series yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in the series, I don't, it's interesting, isn't it? In the series, they're totally fine with, like, post-watershed nudity, sex scenes and, and you know, dismemberment of bodies and stuff. But the, the line, it would seem, is showing people being torn limb from limb by massive wolves. <laughs> yeah, even that's HBO won't touch that. <laughs> in, ca- in case you were wondering, that's the line. <laughs> yeah um so i mean th- this ends with uh there's there's only one wildling left it's mm. who's who can fight and he's got bran um with a knife to his throat and he's saying to rob surrender and kill the wolves or else i'm going to kill mm. your brother in the end uh theon steps in and shoots the guy in the back and <laughs> instead instead of thanking him rob's furious because yeah. he's, he's he's got all these what ifs. He's saying it was reckless. And he's saying, what if um, it, the guy was wearing armor? He didn't know that. What if uh, the the guy's knife had slipped? Mm. Which are all fair points. It was a big risk. But from Theon's point of view, you know, I got it done. What was the other course of action there? Yeah, yeah. It, everything was a risk in that situation. Um, what the, the sort of mark against Theon is? Uh, <laughs> Rob looks around at the two guardsmen who've wandered up. And just basically says, "Where the fuck were you two? And and they say, "Oh, um, yeah. Well, we we were waiting for the maester on his donkey for a start." And 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 then um and they look over to they look over to Theon and he they were basically chasing a turkey up, up in the forest. <laughs> <laughs> and Theon's like, "Yeah, I thought I spotted a turkey. So uh, yeah, that's what I didn't I didn't know that all this was going to go down to lunch." <laughs> It's one of those ridiculous sort of moments. In Rob's absolutely furious. Yeah. But, um, it's just it was it's a great it's a great sort of mixture of comedy and just shock, isn't it? Then absolutely. And I think you really see um, the difference between Theon and Rob here. You have got Rob, who's been raised raised eventually to to take control of Winterfell, and and you know is supposed is thinking about all the angles. And Theon's in this weird position of having been um, like he's raised as a member of the household, but. Mm. 
in a way that he's clearly not going to inherit any of it. So he's mm. gotten really no stake. Like, he's not grown up to become an heir back wherever he's from. Mm. He's not grown up to be an heir in Winterfell. So he, he, I can well imagine there being a bit of his head that's just like, it'd be really, I will look fucking badass. If I pull off this shot, if I get him, <laughs> I'm just going to be the bomb. And then, <laughs> and, and it's so childish. And even more interesting, of course, because in the book, unlike in the TV series, Theon's like five years older than Rob. Yeah, so you, yeah. so and there's no older brother vibe at all there. It would seem from Theon. No, not and, at all. You're right. You know, Rob. Rob just pulls out the full on. What the fuck were you doing? You know, <laughs> and absolutely smacks him down. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a great it's it's a great uh, passage really. Mm. And the only other thing about this chapter is one of the wildlings does survive called Osha, mm. and instead of killing her, um, Rob decides to let her live and takes her into effectively takes her into his service. And we we hear more about that later on. Why do you think he does that? I thought that was interesting because yeah, she, you know she's think... been very threatening, and if you know not not even not even you know thinking oh, I can't trust her inside my house takes her in. Like mm. you would, you would have thought that uh, you know a, a more violent individual would have just killed her just for the sake of it. You know, yeah. there's no comeback. She's a, she's a, a wildling. So, yeah. why do you think he does it? I don't know. I often think that a lot of Rob's decisions are along the lines of what would Dad do, and uh, he, yeah. he's not sure whether his father would have just execute someone in cold blood like that. Yeah, um, and maybe that's what's there. But you're right. I, it's a strange decision. Yeah, um, but maybe maybe she was a simple. He's very young, and it's just a an act of he's an act of mercy from a decent character, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if I think if you know if a lot of decent people, if someone's begging for their life and you don't have to kill them, then you you know you don't. Yeah, uh, yeah. but you're right. The, the idea of saying you know come into the household and let's try and make a better person of you that that does seem a bit of a stretch, especially in this world. But maybe. yeah. Anyway. <clears throat> um. Well, if, you've, if anyone's any theories on that, because we are both completely stumped on it, uh, shartliveroyalpodcast at gmail.com or um, the Twitter at shartliveroyal. Um, just tell us, tell us what you think, because it is a bit of a strange decision, that. And anyway. we're, we, we both lack horribly in imagination. Please help. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, Tyrion, uh, next up. Uh, we're with Tyrion, he is in what are called the Sky Cells. This is the dungeon <laughs> in the Eyrie, and... Oh my goodness, this is a horrendous place to spend um, a night, let alone the rest of your life. They are horrible. They basically, um, let's just describe it, it's it's basically a a cell with a a floor that slopes down towards a cliff edge. Um, So the, the room has three walls and the other wall is just empty. It's just open space and a 600 foot drop to the bottom. Um... So and yeah, the, the floor's slanted, so you're kind of already, you're almost being the the room is effectively almost willing you to to leave, trying to, to kill out. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and there's a really creepy. Someone's scrawled in what looks like blood on the wall. The blue is calling, um, and it's just as someone's slowly being driven mad. And and most people apparently who are in these cells end up jumping. And uh, that is it's a horrible. That is horrible. Person. You've got to wonder, yeah. haven't you, about the sort of imagination that puts that together? Like the kind of person who goes, right, I'm going to build my castle on a, on a mountain. Right, fine. Sound strategy yeah. there, you know, very unassailable. Okay, I'm going to make it so that I can drop pointy rocks on people coming up to it at three separate points. Uh, <laughs> all right. Um, 
Uh, yeah, again, defensive makes a lot of sense. I'm going to make my dungeon, uh, you know, fair enough, law enforcement is important, so that if you fall asleep, you plummet to your death. What? <laughs> yeah. Be- beg pardon? <laughs> At that point, would you not start thinking about a coup? <laughs> before before this particular lordship gets even established, you'd be like, this one has got something wrong in his brain. Yeah. I'm not serving him, I'm off. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so uh, eventually Tyrion, after bribing the really dopey uh, jailer, he's brought before the um, b- before Lady Liza, who who runs the place, her son, little Robert, and Caitlin to confess his crimes. And um, this is, in the book, he just he confesses in, in in the book here he just confesses a load of stuff. Mm. Um, in the film, uh, the film in the series, it's. There's loads of really like lewd uh, <laughs> stuff that he says. It's not from the book. I didn't realize this. Yeah, he thinks no, stuff neither. like I, I beat the one-eyed snake and I made the bald man cry. <laughs> <laughs> and there's none and of that in this. It's perfectly delivered as well, isn't it, by Peter Dinklage? Like he just yeah. in that very kind of was like I beat the one-eyed snake. Yeah. I made the bald man cry. You know, <laughs> does it perfectly. And I have to say, that's one of the few areas where I think the scriptwriters really added something badass to the yeah. first book. Where they just, rather than him just kind of playing it courtly, played it for laughs. Yeah. And it's so good because it brings you so much insight into the character. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, actually, though, the flip side of that is that I think the TV series did the Sky Cells really badly. Is that you had to point out to me when we were watching this that they were sloped cell things and he was going to fall off the edge. Like they don't really bring it out mm, until yeah. like, whereas in the book it's front ended as you would, cause you come up with this great horrifying yeah. Gothic kind of idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, so I, I will allow them to get away with not doing the sky cells very well to start with by the fact that they give Tyrion Lannister some of the greatest dialogue, I think in the history of the television. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I wonder whether that would have worked just on the page. Um, it'd be very. It's very hard to do that kind of comedy um, in a in a book, isn't it? That's. Especially that's. This kind of I book. mean, that's true, and particularly if I mean George Martin, he set out to write a fantasy novel. You know, he's not he's not setting himself up as a comedian. So, yeah. and comedy's the hardest thing to do, right? As we know. So, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, um, and this this confession um, passage ends with. Um, this kind of one-upmanship sort of uh, well, I suppose what is it? It's it, it's sort of an escalating battle, which we saw an example in the last um, battle of wits. We saw an example in the last uh, episode where um, there was you know with Ned and Jamie Lannister, mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. Uh, Ned, Ned says, "I'm the hand, you can't kill me." Jamie says, "Well, you're not the hand anymore." Ned says, "Well, um, if you kill me, Tyrion dies." Jamie says, "I won't kill you then, but I'm going to kill you men." And yeah. there's that sort of back and forth. And here, we've got the same sort of thing where each each side is playing a card and beating the the hand that goes before it. Yeah. So, um, so you know, um, Lady Liza says, "Well, um, there's going to be a trial, and little Robert's going to decide whether he believes you or not." So Robert's obviously going to tell him, sentence him to death. Tyrion yeah. says, "Well, I'll have a trial by combat instead." So she says, "Well." Um, and she sort of laughs and thinks, great, well, name your champion because there's no one who supports you here. And he says, well, I named Jamie. Um, <laughs> and he's he like, thinks, he thinks, I, brilliant. I, I yeah. choose Pikachu to fight for me. <laughs> yeah. but, then, but then she says, oh, no, no, no. This is happening tomorrow and he's not going to get here in time, so I'll pick someone else. And at and th- this point, Tyrion's thinking, oh, shit. 
Um, <laughs> so he sort of looks around. But um, this sellsword called Bron, who um, in the uh, in the journey up to the Eyrie has proven to be a very tough fighter, um, decides to to give it a go for him um, to throw his lot in with Tyrion. Mm. It's it's a canny move, isn't it? I mean, he's got money, mm. and yeah. he's going to be overwhelmingly grateful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Um, Let's move away from the Eerie to Eddard. Uh, Ned's having a dream, and this is um, one of my favourite parts of all the books, really. Um, wow, especially, really? especially because it's something you can't get in the series. Mm. Um, and it's a flashback dream. It's kind of a flashback dream, and it's kind of sort of... It's sh- almost like you can see it almost sort of shrouded in white mist, though. It's kind mm. of a flashback and kind of a dream. And um, it's basically the end of the rebellion. Um, mm. The very, very bitter end of it, and um, what happened was <clears throat> the you know the, the, it's all happened, finished in King's Landing. Robert's on the throne, and um, Ned and seven the seven other members of that uh, support, I think members of his household, or it's his and, and other sort of allies, ride out to where the final three members of the the King's Guard are, mm. and they're the, they you let to believe these are the best three members of the King's Guard, and they're guarding Ned's Ned's uh, sister, you know, yeah. who, uh, who, who who disappeared. And they make it clear they're going to fight to the death. And it's this guy called Sir Arthur Dane, who's nicknamed the Sword of the Morning. There's Sir Oswell Wheat, and there's uh, Sir Gerald Hightower, who's the, the old Lord Commander. Right. And it's them three, and you've got these three guys all in white. So they're just standing there as these eight hardened, like, battle-hardened warriors come up. Mm. And um, it's just a fight to the death, and you don't see the actual battle, but you see the in 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 this you read about the the start and then the aftermath, and basically mm. these three knights are killed, but they take pretty much everyone with them apart from Ned and one other guy, and uh, it's just one of those great sort of dramatic moments, and yeah. it really shows um, just just what it all came down to in the end, and there's a great sadness all around it because. You, you really get the feeling that these all the people involved don't really want to have any part of this fight, but circumstances yeah. dictate that they've no other choice. Yeah, and that's and that happens again and again in Game of Thrones, doesn't it? Where it's the it's the world, it's the system in which they find themselves that demands they act in a certain way, not yeah. their own will. Um, yeah. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, it's uh, it's it is a great scene and a fantastic sequence. And um, and again, you got the sense of the glory days. You know, you mm, got the sense yeah, yeah. of it was so good back then. You know, so he's so you know he's injured and he's feverish and so on. But he's also just you know he he has now irrevocably lost the kind of comradeship that he used to have with Robert. Um, mm. And and it's he's in a way this dream is mourning the kind of. Uh, the the glory days, the days when he was, the days when it wasn't complicated and it was just let's have a sword fight and and mm. honor and strength wins, yeah, um, kind of thing. I, I tell you what, actually, I also thought about this bit. Um, was do you know what I was saying a while back about how I want prequels? How it's a bit weird that we've come in at yeah. just at this point in the thing. I did a bit of research after that because I do my research after the fact rather than before <laughs> it. Um, and um, there are prequels, like he's doing a series of like novellas, short stories telling the story of um like 80 years before this how the king who was the father of the mad king um came to be on the throne and their whole interaction and that that whole kind of world so they Mm. are out there 
Um, yeah. So I wonder if he if he wrote this sequence and was planning to do more flashbacks and then was like, oh no, hang on, I can get some good get some good juice out of this mm, and tell the possibly. tell the story in a different way. I mean, this this flashback is is in between those two, then, isn't it? Because the yeah yeah the the sort of novellas are, are looking sort of a generation before Ned's, aren't they? Yeah, but the the idea is they will they will come up to I think the start of the king going oh, mad. Oh, wow, that's interesting. I think that I, well, I think that's the idea, but you know, George George, George Martin's got a lot of writing to do in that case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, that's quite interesting. And mm. uh, the the other thing in this flashback is there's a half remember there's a memory of a promise that um, Ned makes to his sister um, mm. at this moment in time. And there is, I mean, there is so much speculation about this, and I don't think we can discuss it here at the moment because even to discuss the theories around this are possible spoilers. So, so <laughs> right, maybe well, let's, we, let's be good. we might we might rope this off into maybe at the end of the series we'll do sort of a, a spoiler section where we can discuss some uh, some things, broader some theories. shit that might go down. Yeah, some yeah, things let's that, do that. So, some some things that if you if you want to be completely. Um, if you want to be shocked by everything that happens in these books and you haven't read along yet, you probably shouldn't listen to. Um, yeah, yeah, let's do that. We'll, we'll 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 leave that for now. Anyway, um, when he comes to when uh, Ned actually oh the other thing one other thing about this one of the characters in this dream one of the uh, members of the Kingsguard Sir Oswald went. Mm. He's described as having a black bat as his sigil, and um, the thing is, the interesting thing is about this later on. This sigil pops up every now and then, and it's the, it's it's described as a, this house which has just went to ruin, and, um, oh. and I think this is the sort of the final one of the, the final the, the death people of the house. Who, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Oh. Um, I'm not 100 percent about that, but it rung it really rang a bell when I read it this time round. This black bat sigil. So we'll see when if it comes up again. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Ned comes round, and uh, it turns out Jamie has left the city. He's fled back to Castle Rock to his dad. I suppose he's got some concern about what might happen to him yeah. after effectively coming at the hand of the king. Yeah. And um, there's a visit uh, to Ned's uh, bedside from uh, Rob, uh, King Robert and Cersei. The queen comes along as well. Together. Um, oh. Yeah. Oh, that, that's a fall, oh, isn't it? You wake up and there's, there's the face of the man that you really need to reconcile with. Oh, thank God. Oh, he's yeah. got the wife with him. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you can see where um, Joffrey got his sort of twist in the facts to suit the uh, the situation, as uh, Cersei's uh, version of events are that um, Ned <clears throat> and his men were returning drunk from a brothel and decided to attack Jamie uh, and his man, <laughs> men, which which is kind of a really transparent um, story, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, but yeah. I think it's to- I think it's told by Cersei's basically to say you know call me a liar and prove it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It was one of those ones where everybody knows it's not true, but you know, no one's really got the in the in the position to say so, other than Robert. Yeah, um, and he's not really sure what to believe. Um, and yeah. in the end, Robert tells them both, tells Ned, and to, to make amends with Jamie and just call it quits. And uh, Cersei wants Ned punished for it. Yeah, and. It ends with uh, Cersei says to Robert, uh, "You ought to be in skirts and me in male." Um, and this really sums Cersei up. She really does, feels like she is a knight stuck in a woman's body um, in this world, which is which has trapped her. Yeah. Um, 
and you get the feeling if she'd have been born a, yeah. a, a man, she'd have been pretty much like Jamie. She'd have been just this really aggressive, reckless um, fighter. Yeah. Well, I, I tell you, it just occurred to me, and you see this actually. I mean, I don't think this is much of a spoiler, but you have seen a bit of this so far. Is she hates being a woman? Mm. She hates it. She hates the fact that she can only fight using kind of wiles and the rest of it. That's really interesting. I totally hadn't located Cersei's whole thing as being about self-loathing before, mm. but it is. She just she just hates what she is and hates what she has to do. Mm. Um, yeah, I've never thought of that before, Matt. Never. Well, I mean, th- this this comment earns her a, a smack in the face from the king, yeah. and uh, and he dismisses her, and then he sort of immediately sort of says to Ned, you know, that was I shouldn't have done it. Yeah. Um, but he, you know, he, he just he just says effectively, sort of rather sadly, says he sometimes can't help it, and you know. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. depressing, and it's from a character yeah. who, up to now, I mean, he's still, you think, is Robert is in many ways, despite his womanizing and you now his wife beating, somehow quite yeah. likable. Yeah. Uh, and but if you know, if you can play, if you place him in the context of the time that he's living, I suppose you can try and make excuses for people. Although you'd never see Ned doing something like this. Yeah, that's very true. And I think that's the difference, isn't it? And that's why you can really root for Mm -hmm. Ned. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's a very very flawed character, Robert, isn't he, in many ways? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no one is as Ned. Yeah, and I mean that as in he's a a, a flawed... He has character flaws rather than he's a poorly uh, drawn, because I think he's very well drawn. Yeah, Um, yeah. But again, again, shades of Henry VIII as well with Oh, yeah. uh, this sort of uh, once great fighter gone to fat, if you like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he ends this scene with reappointing Ned as the hand. Mm. He ends this passage with reappointing Ned as the hand of the king. And he makes a, you think, half serious threat um, that if you, if you, re- he says to Ned, if you resign again, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give that to Jamie Lannister. <laughs> and um, and uh, in one way, it's sort of, a, it's kind of a joke playing on how, um, how much obviously that this conflicts between the two, but yeah. it's also I think just uh, uh, his way of saying you, you leave. I may as well give up. You know, it's it's yeah, done. Yeah. And whatever the Lannisters want to happen is going to happen. You know, so yeah, so but that's a hell of a thing to hang over a man's head. You can imagine yeah. Ned still in his sick bed, still with a shattered leg, being offered yeah. the job. Of, you know, so you're, you're now the hand of the king again. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, Good. oh, and by the way, I'm I'm off on this hunt now, so uh, you're the boss for the next for the foreseeable. Yeah. Thinking, oh, <laughs> like, right, okay. What are you? T- what I can't walk. <laughs> you fucking psychopath. Come back here. Yeah. Call yourself a king. <laughs> so uh, we move to uh, Caitlin again, and uh, we get a bit. She's uh, the starts with chat- chatting with the blackfish, and we hear more about the the strategy and the wider <clears throat> consequences of what she's done. Um, with taking Tyrion prisoner. Basically, the Lannisters are gearing up for war now, so um, they're assam- assembling an army in, mm. their, um, in, their, in their sort of seat, which is at Casterly Rock. Yeah. You've got, you've got people... In, oh, you've got Winterfell getting ready for war up in the north. You've got the Eyrie, which is fairly well protected. And then in the middle, you've got this place called River Run, which is where her father's from. Yeah. And 
that's the place that seems vulnerable because it's right in the middle of everything. Winterfell's remote. The Eyrie is obviously very well protected. This is the place that, if it comes to war, it's probably the first place that's going to be attacked. And you, yeah. you hear that the 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 the, the Tullys um, in Riverrun they're, they're preparing their defences and trying to defend this this area, sort of in between Castle Rock and and Riverrun. Yeah. So you just get it. It's quite nice for sort of zooming out and getting a yeah. broader picture of the strategy at the moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, going right back into the individuals, um, mm. Tyrion is, uh, well, Bronn is by proxy fighting for Tyrion's life, um, as he goes up against a knight called Savardis, um, and it's, uh, well, it's a it's it's a home run for Bronn. He yeah. he he's he's only got a light armor and he's using the speed to his advantage, ducking out of the way, and he manages to kill Savardis in this duel. Yeah. What did you make of that? <clears throat> well, he's bully for Tyrion, isn't it? Hmm. Um, it's an astonishing kind of reversal in fortune, and you do wonder how, given that Liza's clearly insane. And um, and Caitlin has been shown to like lose her equilibrium a bit around Tyrion. Like mm. you do wonder how much good it's going to do him. Yeah. Um, you know, having having entered into this this absurd show trial, basically, mm. um, and and then won it. Yeah. Um, like what sort of yeah yeah like like how this is going to play out for him for the rest. Yeah, is it, is it, are they really just going to be like, all right, there you on your way then? Yeah, but amazingly, <laughs> it seems that he's free, and I suppose they, their hands are tied at this moment because, you know, they they made a big show of saying, well, if if you know if it's trial by combat, if you win, you you're free, and that's what's happened <laughs> despite all expectations. Yeah. And it's amazing how um, the entire court don't give Bronin a chance because he's because he's such. Just, some common sellsword, yeah. and this Savardis is a very well thought of knight. Yeah. They don't get, they don't get, they don't, even when Savardis is clearly losing, is about to die, and, and Sir Roderick is sort of in Caitlin's ear saying this doesn't look good. Everybody else are basically saying, ex- still expecting him to win comfortably. And yeah. I think uh, I think Liza says, "Come on, now, Savardis, finish this." And he's sort of almost death on his feet by this point. Yeah. And uh, and Bron duly obliges. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, on on to up to the wall, which uh, we've we've not been there for a while, and uh, John's 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 graduating, and he gets the worst graduation speech of all time from Sir Alistair. <laughs> <laughs> we already know he's a miserable bastard, um, yeah. but um, his sort of best of luck in the world. You know, do, do you remember when we graduated? You get a speech, don't you, from your from your I, guy? I do um, remember that. Yeah. Vice Chancellor or something saying how great it is to have graduated and how you're going to be the movers and shakers of the world in the future. Yeah. Um, Sir Alistair's is, you are as hopeless as any boys I've ever trained. That's how he opens up. Uh, yeah, your hands your hands were made for manure shovels, not for swords. And if it were up to me, the lot of you would be herding swine. But last night I was told that five new boys are on the way. Um, to make room for them, I've decided to pass eight of you on to the Lord Commander. And then he, 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 you think, all right, he's going to name them. He names them, all right. Toad, Stonehead, Aurux, Lover, Pimple, Monkey, Saloon, and the Bastard. <laughs> it's a good band name, though, isn't it? You can see those going to number one in like 1966, 67. <laughs> I like the idea of Saloon and the, ba- Saloon and the Bastard. That's Saloon a and the Bastard. 
That's incredible. That's a concept album, that, isn't it? <laughs> Sir Loon and the Bastard, a concept album from Marillion, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, everyone's pleased about this, um, despite uh, Sir Alistair trying to put as much misery into it as possible, apart from Sam, who um, isn't amongst those. So he's being effectively held back a year mm. um, so he can go through the entire horror of... Uh, being beaten up in the yard once again, again this yeah. time without the protection of John and his friends. Yeah. And um, obviously this is a terrifying moment for Sam. And yeah. John decides to step up and ends up going to uh, the maester um, here. What's he called? Maester Amon. Yeah. Um, effectively petitioning him, asking uh, Maester Amon to, to ask the commander to sort of issue some kind of step in basically go over Sir Alistair's head and let Sam become a steward yeah um, and it's a big it's a big it's quite funny because John turns up and the guy who's stewarding for Master Eamon is called Chet and um, he's like really he obviously hates John already yeah. he doesn't come across a very likeable character and <laughs> it's really funny because he already hates him and then John pretty much turns up to say you should give Sam Chet's job <laughs> and Chet's like what the fuck <laughs> I'm standing right here you know I just I'll wait till I left the room at least I, I bet John really enjoyed that though I bet this guy Chet's been a right wanker for the entire time and John's like right I've got some news for you pal <laughs> so um, I think just before we leave that chapter one other thing to say is um, there are three things that you graduate as when, you, uh, when you're in the Night's Watch. You're either a ranger, a steward, or a builder. If you're a ranger, you go out sort of out beyond the wall, making sure no bad stuff's going down, which it always is. There's always plenty of work for the rangers. Yeah. If you're a builder, you're making sure the wall stays built, so you're yeah. looking for cracks and things like that, and keeping the forest ch- uh, chopped back so there's a good sort of killing zone be- below the wall. And if you're a steward, you do the sort of household stuff, basically. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's how it's divided up. And I suppose it makes sense. It's quite. I liked that because it was a, a clear and fairly seems like fairly easy to manage system there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, again, you hear the, the echo of like an old monastic system, when you know where you got yeah. the people, you know, the scribes and the scholars, and and then you've got the people doing the cooking and the rest of it. Admittedly, I don't think very many traditional monastic houses had the badasses with swords. <laughs> but maybe maybe I'm not up enough on my monastic history. Maybe there were loads of those. Maybe. Which one would you want to be if you had to pick one of the three? Oh, it's got to be the stewards, hasn't it? Because <laughs> you, you get to do really cool stuff. And there's definitely a sense of them being the people that are looked up to as well, isn't there? Um, in, the, uh, in, the, in the thing. I mean, admittedly, much higher chance of a terrifying blue-eyed cookie monster zombie thing ripping your head off and having a whiz down the hole. But... Well, hang on you a minute. Know, you, what mean, price you, mean, you, you mean the rangers, don't you? You want Who to be a ranger? You said the stewards. I was thinking how they looked up to. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I you were basically saying I don't fancy any of that. Yeah, well, I mean, so so here we have. I mean, that's a really interesting Freudian slip because clearly there's a difference between what I what the story is kind of shaped to make me want and what I think yeah. I would actually end up doing, which is indeed <laughs> indeed serving the food. Yeah. <laughs> how about you um i think i probably go for builder just because i'm the same as you i'm i'm not mad on going out into the beyond the, if, if there was this wall which had been built to keep monsters out 
I wouldn't be the first to volunteer saying, I fancy having a, having a wander out in there and seeing what's around. But at the same time, I wouldn't want to be um, a steward because they, they seem <laughs> yeah. to be the guys who get like looked down upon the most and they just got to sit and do domestic jobs and that. But I like, yeah, I, you yeah, know, yeah. I like, I like being outside. You know, yeah. uh, I like working with my hands. So yeah, a bit, a bit, a bit, bit, bit of the sounds good. Yeah, I bet <laughs> it'd be quite cold trying to keep an ice wall uh, six hundred feet high or whatever it is. But yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> okay. but I, but the flip side of that is that you're the guy who has to go out beyond the wall, not with a sword, but with an axe to chop down trees. So this you know, true. you really want to, you really want to set to a difficult physical task. And yeah. then suddenly, you know, you find your entrails being spun out by a direwolf or something. I mean. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm, I'm just changing I'm mine. I might be a ranger. <laughs> <laughs> You're making a good case for the stewards, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tell you? It's not difficult for me, really, to feel the emotional core of a job that involves handling a lot of food. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point actually what you made about the builders chopping the wood if I'm going out beyond the wall I want the respect of being a ranger I yeah exactly not just like I'm still thinking oh about. you're a builder are you yeah <laughs> oh yeah how many trees have you chopped down this week I killed oh. 40 wildlings yeah. <laughs> that's a good point um, okay let's move let's move on to uh, the next chapter Tyrion it's Tyrion's journey home it begins here is he ever going to make it back um, so he's still got Bronn with him, who's mm-hmm. clearly decided that if Bronn can get Tyrion back to his dad alive, he'll, he'll, it's, it's, there's a lot of money in it for there's him. There's money in it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and they, they have this, they break and have this campfire, which um, Tyrion forces Bronn to have, because um, Tyrion says, "I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, not having a fire. If we're going to get attacked, I'd rather get attacked warm than cold." <laughs> and um, they settle down yeah. and. And Tyrion tells this story, a very personal story, to a cell sword he barely knows. I think it shows you just how little, how few real sort of companions Tyrion really has. He doesn't really have any. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? Um, For all his sort of deep down, not such a bad guy, and all all his um, sort of political nous, he doesn't have many friends. And straight away he's ready to give up this very personal story about how he was... How he, basically how he how he got married once, yeah. and it's this um, him and Jamie are wandering down the road. This woman runs out into the into the road, being chased by these two men, obviously nearly going to be raped. Mm. Um, they save this woman. Jamie chases after the men to hunt them down, and he stays with her, looks after her, ends up sleeping with her and marrying her. Um, mm. And it's this sort of whirlwind little romance in a cottage in the middle of nowhere for two weeks, mm. and then his dad finds out. And he's told the truth, which is um, that. Well, he's, he's told by uh, by his father that Jamie actually set the whole thing up, and the the girl was actually a prostitute. Yeah. And uh, and as punishment for marrying her, um, he he forces Tyrion to watch her being raped by as many men as 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 want to, and then he has to do it himself in the end. Uh, and guy, just it's it gives you. I mean, one thing. In case you weren't um, under the impression that Lannisters were bastards, let's yeah. just be absolutely clear here. It shows you just yeah. It shows you just how dangerous uh, a man T- Tyrion's dad is. Yeah, uh, this is our first reintroduction to Tywin, and also um, it's clear that Tyrion still hates him for it. He yeah. is very. He comes across very clearly. He despises his father, and when Bronn says. I'd have killed. I'd have killed any man who did that to me. Tyrion yeah. says, "Well, you know, you might get your, you might get your chance one day." <laughs> and he's not exactly saying, "Oh, well, you know, your, your dad's your dad." 
<laughs> yeah, so. like, yeah. There's no, there's no love lost, is there? And um, is it just me, or is this a lot starker in the book um, than it is in the? T- I don't remember that that the end of it just going to such a horrific place in the TV it does, series. It, it does in the TV series. It's, in the TV series, it's slightly different because they, they tell he tells this story on the eve of the battle uh, on a battle, and mm. um, and they're all it's him and Bron and there's someone else, and they and they're just sitting around in a tent talking. But he does talk about how. Um, yeah, oh, he, right. she, 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 this this girl was raped by all these these soldiers, and then she was given a a silver coin for every soldier who raped her, and and in the end, the coins were falling out of her hands um, because there were God. so many of them. Yeah, that that is recounted in the series, but yeah, I, it, do you know what? I, I I'm surprised. I I don't know what I was. I was, I was you know, I, I went to the toilet or something during that. Cause I I would think I would remember that, um, yeah. but like. Yeah, I mean, so it is. It is. It is a recalibration, isn't it? You know, lest you be under the impression that Tyrion represents all Lannisters. <laughs> let's let's yeah. be clear here: the Lannisters are shits, mm. and um, and and particularly, like you say, as an introduction for Tywin, it's horrifying. You know, yeah. it's the first thing you hear about somebody is that he does this kind of thing. Mm. Um, um, and with Ty- you find out later with Tywin that he he has a hatred of prostitutes. Um, and mm. of whores because of what happened. We'll talk about this more later on, but yeah. because of what happened to his to his father, so Tyrion's grandfather. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think I think that's mentioned later on in this book, so we'll we'll, we'll get onto that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the only other thing about this chapter is it ends with um, Tyrion and Bronn being attacked by or being surrounded by hill tribesmen, mm. and Tyrion manages to get them on side by promising to arm them. It's kind of like a Cold War proxy proxy war in Actually, the 20th is, century. Yeah. He basically says, look, there are these knights in the Vale in, who are up in the Eyrie who have terrorised you guys for ages because you've got crap weapons. Yeah. Look, I'll arm you and then you can have a proper insurrection. <laughs> They're like, yeah, let's, <laughs> let's do it. All right. <laughs> so you're wondering where that's going to end because that in real life very rarely ends well. So. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. and, and then he's got an army just by just by talking the right way. He's got his mm. army, I and you know again it's lovely undermining of the whole thing about swords being power. Mm. Swords, yeah. gold, and words seem to be the different ways that you can get power in this in this setting. And he can't use a sword, and he uses his father's gold to back up his words. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Um, next up, Ned. He is. He's got the job he never wanted and many other people would he's kill got it. for. And he's he, got he's, it he's, twice. Yeah. <laughs> and but now he's sitting on the Iron Throne. He's literally sitting on the Iron Throne listening to people plead for yeah. his assistance. Um and it's basically there's this collection of people who've had their homes burned to the ground and their villages ransacked and their friends and anyone they care about raped or killed. Um because they live in in an area um, which is sort of in between River Run, you know, the, 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 the Tully's part and Casterly Rock, where the Lannisters are. They're caught mm. between this war that's ramping up and some pe- some guys dressed as brigands, including an eight-foot-tall guy, do any ideas who that could be, um, <laughs> have been riding around putting villages to the torch. Yeah. It doesn't take long to work out that it's the mountain that's responsible for it, the Lannister bannermen. He's hardly um, a covert weapon, is he? No. <laughs> and um, I think this is pretty much... 
it's provocation. What the, what the Linuses are trying to do is get the um, the Tullys to openly declare war. So they're the first. They look like they've started it. Yeah, it's one of these classic do something, which is kind of um, can be argued wasn't us, and then that can that can that can kick off the whole war. Yeah, but um, luckily for the Tullys, they've gone to, um, to 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 the capital to plead with the king, mm-hmm. and Ned is in no mood for half measures. He he's he rounds up a hundred men, effectively, puts this guy called Lord Berwick in charge, and sends them off to. Uh, to behead the mountain, they sentences him to death straight away. Wow! So, yeah, it was pretty bold. Um, yeah, and he, he, among, in that in that group, he's, uh, Ned sends the pretty much his twenty best fighters off with that group to go after yeah. their mountain. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> um, and you can see. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's a. I remember from watching this, there being like when when Ned got the when Ned got his job back. There still wasn't a sense of this is this is good, like this could be a power thing. But in the book, it comes across much more that this is like this is what it's like. Okay, great. You know, I'm obliged to have this job that I don't want to have, and I'm still mm. in this place I don't want to be. But fuck it, I command the king's forces. So yeah, I think these people who are obviously starting maneuvers against me in my house are going to be smacked down by force of yeah. the you know the name of the king. Yeah, yeah. So he's decided to wield a bit of power. Yeah. And um, and we'll see how it we'll see how it turns out. Uh, next up is <clears throat> a chapter about Sansa. Uh, she um, she basically has an argument with Arya, um, uh, and Arya ends up throwing an orange at her. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a different type of conflict, isn't it? Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but eventually, it ends with them both going before Ned, and Ned says to them both, "I'm sending you both home." Yeah, you're going back to Winterfell. They think it's because they've been fighting and arguing, but he says, "Look, it's not that. It's because this is dangerous, and the things are getting really dangerous now." Yeah, you know, three three of our our household have been killed in the street. I've been attacked. It's not safe here anymore. And Sansa is devastated because she wants to marry wants to marry um, Joffrey, and Ned basically says, "Look, that's not going to happen. You're going back up. To, we're going back north, and we'll do something else." Yeah, I mean that that amount of honesty with his kids is I kind of winced a bit with that because I thought, um, does he does he need to tell her that now? <laughs> just get her back because <laughs> if anything's going to make her want to stay, I was thinking at this point she might just run off. I mean, especially Aya, someone might just run off here, and that could mm. make things much more difficult. Yeah, yeah, because you there is there is that kind of sense where things are getting so that now otherwise harmless naivety could be very, very dangerous. Yeah. And it's, it just added to the whole feeling of tension that kind of surrounded this. I, I, there was a bit of me that really felt like once Jamie Lannister had attacked Ned, like everything just started hurtling, you know, yeah. and I, I still have a sense of things being out of control. Previously, it seemed like things were kind of, politics was going to do the job, and now it's much more the case that, no, people are going to die here, you know? Yeah. And this... this um this discussion from this seemingly innocuous discussion about sending his kids home he gets a massive sort of moment of clarity where um there's an argument where this uh i think i is having a go at joffrey say talking about how he's, he's like his drunken dad and um and uh sansa says no joffrey's nothing like his father he's not a he's not a, a stag he's a lion you know, he's, he's he's far more Lannister than anything else, and yeah. that just goes, oh, 
<laughs> hang on and all the pieces fall into place the blonde hair uh, the, and he, he thinks shit she, he, he is he's, he's Jamie's son yeah and then he thinks whoa Marcella and Tommen both blonde Ooh. Jamie's kids yeah so um, he's kind of he's fitted it together now Ned and he's in, 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 in a place to do something about it do, do we do a slow hand clap at this point <laughs> or is the, or is this a good piece of de- deduction? Because there's, a, I mean, so we started kind of started reaching towards this last time, yeah. Um, uh, you know, with the oh, I wonder why John Aaron was so interested in the book of lineage, and yeah. hmm, the Queen is sleeping with her brother, and, yeah. <laughs> and all of this, and um, and so I don't know. Do we do, do we give Ned credit here or not? It's hard, isn't it? Because it isn't much more evidence. Just to, just to suddenly think. Oh, actually, Joffrey isn't anything like his his dad. Mm. Um, even even with the blonde hair, I mean, genetics do funny things. I mean, obviously, they um, they, they, <laughs> they won't. It's very um, crude the way they they look at lines and stuff in in, in this world. Yes. But um, he's got blonde even, hair. I knew it. I knew yeah. she was sleeping with him. <laughs> exactly. I mean, that isn't always the case. You know, yeah. you can have no blonde hair for generations and suddenly some gene kicks in somewhere in the family um so yeah although yeah. although i mean the 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 flip side of that is that george martin i think knowing that that was quite a weak thing to build a story on has john aaron's last words be the seed is strong and you yeah. know it's, it's always true that a baratheon kid has dark hair and so on um yeah. so i mean he's covered himself a bit there but i think you're right it is a little bit tenuous in it um, okay, let's uh, move on to uh, this next chapter about Ned. We're getting towards the the, the end of it now. Um, Ned is uh, deciding what to do about this new information, mm. and he decides he's got to tell the king. Mm. And he knows that once Robert hears about this, considering his approach towards Daenerys, he's going to want pretty much all of these people killed. Yeah. And Ned, bless him, doesn't want to have the murder of children on his conscience yeah. so he gets Cersei to the godswood and base in a, a quiet part of the keep and basically says to her look I know what's happened here I'm telling Robert when he gets back from this hunt and you better be gone by then because he's going <sighs> to kill you um, and she I mean Cersei, Cersei pretty much she, she completely confesses it she says yep yeah, I've um, been shagging my brother been shagging my brother yeah all three kids are pretty much pro- pretty much sure it's his and yeah we, um, we wanted Aaron killed we knew too much and uh, you know <laughs> in which circumstance like just fucking do so or or why is Ned doing it now while the king's out of the city like such a magnificent political misstep well the, well, the thing is he's doing it now because this is as far as he's concerned this is her chance to get away he wants to give them a chance to get away because why? He like, because he doesn't why? want kids killed, does he? It's, yeah, but yeah. He, all right, fair enough, fair enough. I, that is, you know, we've and again, this has been well, well set up and so on. That Ned's like this, but it's just like, like this bit. I was basically yelling at the book and the screen when it happened in the other. Don't tell her about it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There are there are other ways. You know, have your have your men spirit the kids away so that they can survive, but don't yeah. protect her. But, but but I mean, I mean to, to be honest though, what do you expect her to do? 
Yeah. What what threat can well no, but I mean what threat can she pose by knowing oh, that he knows? Oh come on. She's a Lannister. She's got all the money, she's got all the swords. Her family basically own the kingdom and they've shown themselves to be much more interested in each other than they are in anybody else. Yeah. You know, like it's I mean I you know, in this world, the way that women are raised and so on, you know, perhaps you could be, well, she's just a woman. But this is Cersei Lannister who's shown herself on the few occasions when she's had dialogue to herself to be conniving and manipulative and fantastic at mm. making sure uncertain situations go the way she wants them to. And yeah. Ned, surely, as a self-aware man, as, must know that he's shown himself to be exactly the opposite. He's crap in situations <laughs> like that. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, so for me, this was like this was the moment where things have started hurtling when mm. Jamie attacked Ned. At this point, I'm like, "Oh shit's gonna! This is just not all right." You know, this is everything's gonna go wrong. Yeah, um, there are a couple of things about Cersei here which um, are very interesting. One is she um, says, and this is the, this is done in the series in a conversation between her and Robert, which is brilliant. And um, I'm not sure he's in the book. It might be later on. But um, she says to Ned that on her wedding night, Robert called out Ned's sister's name in bed. <laughs> he, uh, and and Ned sort of responses. It sort of makes him almost want to weep just because he's thinking about yeah. his sister and and just how how sad it is for both of them, you know, yeah. for that situation. And, and Cersei included. Yeah. And... Um, and that's basically the crux of all what's all gone wrong here. And yeah. um, the other thing is, and this is this is I'd like to know why you think that this departs in the series as well. In the mm. series, right? If you haven't seen it, um, when Bran is injured, Cersei comes to Bran's room and has this conversation with Caitlin, saying that when um, she was younger, her and Robert had a son, and he died uh, when he was very young. And it's this very um, emotional moment, and Cersei seems very upset, and she's reliving it. Mm. And it seems like there was this happier time where they both, her and the king, there was something there, and they yeah. had this son, and they lost him. Yeah. Um, in the book, um, she says there was she's never had a son apart from she did Robert did once get her pregnant, and he and they they managed to quietly have the baby aborted without him knowing. The hell? And, yeah. Does this? Does this? I mean, I mean, this seems to make Cersei much more of a monster in the book than yeah. uh, than in the series. And I wonder why yeah. they they went down a different route. Yeah. Um. Oh, I think in the series it served the purpose of being real creepy. I mean, I don't know about you, but in that moment, I certainly wasn't thinking, "Oh, Cersei Lannister, this is a nice heart to heart moment, isn't it?" Like there was. There was, I mean, there's just something about the way that she's played, which is really yeah. brilliantly done by Lena Headey, which is sort of creepy. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and so, you know, it was, I can understand moving it there and, and using it for a different purpose because you've got more than enough fodder for demonstrating that Cersei is a horrible person. Um, yeah. Uh, but you're right. I mean, it does it does serve to make it that much more brutal um, what she's like and the the, yeah. the implications of this kind of <laughs> unholy unholy kind of alliance between her and her brother yeah. and what that can become. Yeah, and I think it shows in the book that just just the depth of hatred for 
Robert. For Robert, she, yeah. She she absolutely despises she to the, to the, despises him to the point of she can't bear the thought of having one of his children. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's, I mean, she to be that's to, to be fair to Cersei, she's um, by sort of our standards, she's effectively been forced into an arranged marriage and raped in the evenings yeah. to give a son to this monster who yeah. she um, who she's both afraid and and. Um, and is disgusted by. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's but it's it's very it's very it's, it's hard because you have two stories almost in parallel because at the same time there's the memories that she has sometimes of how he was this dashing handsome um, man when she married him and he changed and it's it, it's it's, yeah. it's hard to defend her really it's more to do with her character flaws isn't it and the fact that she is very. Um, uh, manipulative and just extremely uh, vicious in what she what she yeah. wants and, and, yeah, that's and the word, yeah. what she perceives as being an enemy. If she if she sees an enemy, she is she's fierce and yeah. um, and completely ruthless. Yeah, yeah, so, that's very true. Yeah. Um, in in this bit, she t- the first thing she tries to do she tries to seduce Ned, which doesn't happen in the series, and he obviously is that's no good. You're not going to seduce him. <laughs> Um, so, you you know that I know about yeah. So what? Yeah, um, and then in the in the end, she comes out with probably the quote of the book, <clears throat> which is uh, when you she, she warns Ned. Um, basically, she says when you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. There is no middle ground. Yeah, and um, I mean that's quite a quite a strong warning. And with that, she leaves him to ponder, you know, what happens next. Yeah, and that actually in the um, in the TV series that that was a much more powerful line because I wasn't mm. expecting them to do that thing where where they kind of awkwardly working in the movie title. You know, I wasn't <laughs> expecting them to do that, and of course, it's not awkwardly worked in. It, it works perfectly, and you can imagine George Martin writing this and then being like, "Oh yeah, that's going to be the name of the series. That's the title. Yeah. That's the title yeah. right there." Um, uh, and it, it really is a fulcrum where it brings it all together and twists it around. And you're like, oh shit, yeah. Mm. Um, you know, they, this is what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. Um, final chapter for today: Daenerys. Oh, she's uh, taking part in a ceremony over down in Vastothrak, um, which involves eating a raw horse's heart. Can you imagine doing that? <laughs> And not throwing No, up. no, I cannot. I have no desire to eat a raw horse's... Yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? Because she can't throw up, otherwise it will show that something... I, I forget what. Um, but yeah. it's very bad. So she has to eat it and keep it all down. Yeah, uh, just a quick note. I know we don't do the series, really, but a note about the series. There is this scene in that, and she was, the, the, the actress had a... It was like a gelatin, you know, obviously a fake horse's heart. But mm. um, she was so in the scene that she she genuinely threw up during it and you see this bit in the scene where she leans forward and where she finishes it and and then it cuts to her sort of rising up and she's finished it and she's fine apparently in the actual take as she leans forward she genuinely throws up so it just cuts away from her because it it is so disgusting isn't it um just the idea of eating a, a raw horse is oh god anyway no it's horrible and it, she, she manages it anyway, doesn't she? And um, they declare that the child she will have will get a fantastic name, uh, titled "The Stallion Who Mounts the World." Um, <laughs> yeah, 
I thought that was Ron Jeremy, but um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so um, she's delighted with that. They, they throw a massive party um, to celebrate. Obviously, uh, Carl Drogo's delighted, and uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking of the IT technician. Um, and uh, <laughs> Carl Drogo, who is not an IT technician from Barnsley, we should say. Yeah, and it, it turns out in the middle of this, uh, the part, she speaks to Sajora, and he says Viserys has headed off to a market, and he tried to take the dragon eggs to buy himself whatever he needs, like a human army, and um, yeah. and Sajora stopped him, and yeah. and Daenerys is trying to work out what on earth Viserys is up to. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly Viserys turns up, absolutely wrecked at the party, uh, wearing his sword, which you're not allowed to have any kind of weapons or any swords in Vastothrak. It's like one of these big laws. Yeah, he yeah. basically he goes over to Daenerys and threatens to kill her unless he gets his army. <laughs> yeah, um, it's not and, a good understanding of how power works, is it? No, and everybody. Can, I mean, this is this is the culmination of Viserys just not being able to comprehend what's happening to him, yeah. and even if he even if he kind of does know that he's losing his power, just being unable to accept it. He's come so close when he's yeah. sitting on when he's sitting at that wedding of his sisters with this massive army celebrating in front of him, he thinks he's one step away from, from achieving his goal, which he's been working towards for for all his life. Yeah. And suddenly, it's it's disappeared. And he just, he just is a mixture of sort of, of pride and humiliation and hmm. anger. And, yeah. you know, he, he just, this is what, it, it ends up just being this desperate act where he he says, I'm going to kill you unless... Your husband gives me these this army now. Obviously, it doesn't work out for him. Yeah. Um, so he gets. <laughs> Gal Drogo says, "Yeah, um, yeah, you you get a golden crown." And he goes, "Oh, great!" And he he sort of gives this smile, which apparently which apparently haunts Daenerys because it's sort of he he she sees the sort of brother he was again, maybe uh, yeah. right before he gets sucker punched by the by the by Drogo's henchmen. And uh, Drogo gets the golden crown, which turns out to be a massive pot of molten gold, which he pours over Viserys's head. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's 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 surprisingly witty for somebody whose total kind of <laughs> total kind of presence so far has been to be the big man with the big sword. Oh, I am the man with the horse and the hair, and, and he's like, you know, I'm going to take you out, mate. Wordplay. Hey, you'll get a golden crown. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> Call Drogo make a funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Wife laugh, yes. <laughs> yeah, but um, actually Daenerys' reaction is uh, remarkably calm and she mm. just thinks to herself that um, he was no dragon. Um, because fire can't harm a dragon. He's think, she's thinking, um, I mean, it's, it's both literal and metaphorical, isn't it? Literally, um, because we've seen evidence of how um, Daenerys has got into a scalding hot bath and doesn't have any problem with the heat. Yeah. I mean, this is a certainly different level of heat, isn't it? It's molten <laughs> fucking gold. But, yeah. um, 
also metaphorically you know um i think that it's much more of a met- metaphor that isn't it he um Viserys just didn't have the ability to uh or he wasn't te- didn't have the sort of temperament to to become what he would need to be to mm. lead these people back to Westeros yeah 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 I mean, that's true and um but, and so you have this interesting thing don't you with Daenerys at that point because she started off as this this kind of vulnerable and fearful girl and has become somebody who kind of is not devoid of humanity but whose only kind of spoken thing about the death of her brother in horrible circumstances is well he wasn't up to it was he yeah um and so and again you see the kind of glimpse how the kind of childhood she must have had must have been quite a brutalizing experience Mm. Um, but so, but she's not, again, she's not one dimensional, you know, she's, you can see how she's kind of cold in that moment, but his smile kind of, um, really haunts her. And so she's not totally kind of dead and yeah, 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 yeah. Really interesting. Okay. Well that's, that's us done for this, this episode. There it um, is. Next time we'll be reading, it's quite a short, short, sharp trip this one because mm. Obviously, we're kind of following this series um, in Spies breaking it down into ten parts and starting and ending where the series points start and end. But um, they obviously move material around, so I'm sure if you watch the series, you'll have noticed that bits we're talking about in some episodes actually happen on the TV screen in different parts because the, the, the book, although the series is very close to it, they're not completely parallel. So this is a short bit for next week. Um, you've only got a about 30 or so pages to read uh, starting from the next chapter which is about Eddard um, he was, seems like he was walking something like that and you read up as far as page 510 which is a chapter about Aya which begins hi Sirio Florel called out not hi as in hello as in hi as in <laughs> go hi um, so yeah <laughs> I can't imagine Aya. Sirio Florel hey hello <laughs> hi Aya it's been so long um, yeah, so that's where to read to next time. Um, you got? Have you got any general thoughts for this? Uh, this 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 part we've just talked about. Then, well, again, you know, it's um, the uh, the overloaded shopping trolley has reached the top of the cobbled street and has started to <laughs> hurtle down the hill, and the yeah. wheels just come off, hasn't it? That's what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think we'll get some um, resolution to to what's going on here between Ned and. Uh, and Cersei and King mm. Robert. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll have a, a result from that, and we can pick over the details Absolutely. next time. If you've got any comments to make about any part of this, do let us know. Uh, our email address is sharkliveroyalpodcast.gmail.com, um, or you can tweet us at sharkliveroyal. So yeah, if you send the email, make sure it's sharkliveroyalpodcast.gmail.com, um, because if you leave out the podcast, it'll go to I don't know some some clown who's got the shark liver oil address is it is it somebody selling like a, a shark liver oil supplement <laughs> like, Could like be, con- yeah actually yeah. coming full circle somebody trying to sell you what made um what made the fisherman in the old man in the sea such a badass don't yeah, don't exactly. talk to these people don't talk to them <laughs> talk to us <laughs> okay no. well until next time dave thank you very much uh, thank you all. Yeah. all right